Welcome to the Risk Jockeys, a new podcast about risk and risk management in nonprofit organizations. I'm Melanie Herman, Executive Director of the Nonprofit Risk Management Center, or NRMC. Hi, and I'm Derek Seimer, Principal and Senior Vice President at AHT Insurance. Derek and I are excited to be your hosts for the Risk Jockeys. During each podcast, we will explore a risk management topic we believe is relevant to leaders in nonprofits. Today's topic is, do you know what you might not know? During this episode, we'll share our views on what nonprofit leaders need to know but may not about directors and officers' liability coverage. Today, we'll focus on a few big ticket items, and in future episodes, we can drill deeper into coverage areas. Right, Melanie, and one of my key need to know but you might not know topics is the fact that DNO policies don't respond to claims alleging bodily injury. Definitely. Over the years, I've fielded many calls from nonprofit staff and board members whose biggest worry is that someone could get hurt, and their initial thought is that a DNO policy might be the answer. I try to gently explain that DNO policies respond to claims alleging wrongful management acts or decisions, while it's the general liability policy that responds to claims alleging bodily injury or property damage. Yeah, I've seen this come up in two or three recent client conversations. One recently was a case involving potential bodily injury to children in a care setting, and the other involved concussions in school sports programs. You know, the way I think of it is that each policy in an insurance program is designed to serve its specific purpose and cover specific claims, almost like a patchwork quilt, if you will. So the general liability policy is the one that covers the bodily injury or property damage type claims, and the DNO policy will have a bodily injury and property damage exclusion to preclude claims of this type. Ideally, the two policies will work together in lockstep. And while it can certainly get a lot more complicated than that, that's the general outline. Another misconception about DNO policies is that they only protect the D's and the O's, the directors and officers. And many people don't know, but really need to, that a, a, a top-notch DNO policy protects the organization as well as its current and former and future directors, officers, committee members, managers, basically anyone in position to make a management decision or take action on behalf of the organization. Yeah, absolutely, Melanie. And this is also a common source of confusion. I saw this recently with a client that formed a special committee of volunteers, and the members of that committee were concerned that they might not be protected by the DNO policy. In our opinion, they certainly would be. But this confusion extends to other policies too. Directors and officers are covered by the general liability policy. Most people don't really think of that. Uh, but here, D's and O's are also covered for claims related to bodily injury and property damage. It's just most people don't think of other policies covering D's and O's, but they do. Another misconception about DNO policies is that the coverage is only related to wrongful management decisions. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's really common in the nonprofit world for directors and officers and employment practices coverage to be offered under the same management liability policy. You know, in fact, in the vast majority of management liability claims, somewhere in the range of 80 to 90%, we see them in the employment-related uh, arena for claims relating to uh, workplace torts such as age, uh, gender, racial, or sexual orientation discrimination, uh, wrongful hiring and termination practices, and even workplace harassment. 
And given the current environment that we're seeing in the world today and the rash of harassment allegations and claims we've seen in Hollywood and politics and Silicon Valley and so forth, we should probably expect to see a spike in workplace harassment claims. I have a hunch you're right about that, Derek. Media coverage of sexual harassment in the workplace really reminds us that inappropriate conduct occurs and when it does, it exposes a nonprofit to a liability claim that might be covered under a DNO policy. Another misconception is that a DNO insurer may select counsel without a nonprofit policyholder's input. But in my experience, you know, any liability claim against a nonprofit is incredibly disruptive. And nonprofit leaders want to make sure that they're on the same page with an attorney or legal team defending the organization. In a way, I think we take these claims personally. A legal challenge is a challenge to our reputation and goodwill, but it also threatens all of the hard work that has gone into our mission. Yeah, these things can go a couple of different directions. I think in most cases, the insurer will have a duty to defend and utilize their pre-negotiated and vetted panel counsel. And typically, these law firms will have a lot of experience in managing and litigating complicated uh, DNO cases really to the benefit of both the insurer and the policyholder. But in other cases, an insured may want more direct control and opt to select or at least participate in the selection of their own counsel. This takes a lot more upfront negotiation between you know, the broker, the policyholder, and the insurance company, but in certain cases it's really the right way to go. My advice to policyholders is really to speak up early. If you have lawyers or counsel you prefer to work with or have concern about selecting the best counsel to defend your organization, really the time to have that conversation is upfront well before a claim ever materializes. That's great advice, Derek, thanks. Um, a fundamental misconception is that coverage only applies once a claim is filed, such as by reporting that your nonprofit has been sued, when in fact, Many DNO policies sold to nonprofit organizations provide support and resources in advance of a claim. Yeah, these really can vary from insurer to insurer, but a very common feature that we see is, you know, for example, the employment hotline, which affords a nonprofit the ability to pick up the phone, reach out, and speak with a trained employment attorney. Maybe they have a specific employee that's causing them problems, or they think there's a potential claim situation that could be arising. Uh, so that's that was definitely a good time to pick up the phone and talk to an attorney. Right, and those conversations can actually reduce the risk or likelihood of a future legal claim. So they're, they're well worth having. We've actually had a number of calls from our member organizations whose leaders didn't realize that pre-claim assistance is supported and available through their DNO insurer. It's so worth the time that it takes to, to take a look at all of the loss control and risk management resources, materials that are often sent along with the policy, with your new DNO policy or with the, the renewal package. So definitely take the time to do that. We hope that our conversation today has helped our listeners understand some of the misconceptions about DNO. Ultimately, we hope that you'll have a better understanding of what DNO is and also what it isn't. For many organizations, DNO is the first policy they purchase, and having it in place offers assurance to the board that that promise of indemnification we often see in nonprofit bylaws is actually backed up in the form of a policy. 
Well, thank you, Melanie, and thank you, listeners, for joining us today for Episode 2 of The Risk Jockeys. We look forward to being back with you for Episode 3 shortly. And if you have any feedback for Melanie or myself, we'd love to hear from you. Have a good day.